1: Saskag Today with Doug Faulkner. Good afternoon and welcome to Saskag Today. Coming up on today's program, the weather over the past few weeks has been nothing short of abnormal. Temperatures above the seasonal norm and a lack of precipitation. We'll hear from that and a number of other topics with Saskatchewan Agriculture Minister David Merritt, who will join us on his year-end interview portion of our program. Annual meetings will be held on Tuesday, January 9th for Sask Wheat, Sask Canola, Sask Flax, Sask Barley and Saskatchewan Pulse Growers. Kevin Hirsch, the Chief Agricultural Editor for SaskAgToday.com will fill us in on which meeting he believes will be the most liveliest. All of those stories and much more coming up on today's edition of SaskAg Today. But first, it's time for the Agriculture Outlook with Precision Weather. And that's a presentation of Milligan Bio. Milligan Bio now offers bio meal for your livestock, giving your animals more protein, more energy, and more of what they need. It's also brought to you by Sean Prahitka, your Remax Blue Chip Ag Division Specialist. Agriculture
2: Outlook with Precision Weather.
1: With Phil Spivak from Precision Weather. And Phil, it's bright and sunny here in the Yorkton area today, and it looks like we have a pretty nice weekend going into the new year.
0: Yeah, temperatures will back down a bit, uh, but still mild. we're, We're talking about backing down from the ridiculous warmth trying to remember the exact terms I've used over the the course of this warm stretch. But uh, impressive to ridiculous warmth down to just really warm uh, for the weekend relative to normal. Normal high this time of year, minus 12. And the closest I see to that is the low tomorrow night, which is minus 12. But that's the low. That's the coldest of the the, uh, day. Temperatures coming up really just shy of freezing each day. Today, we're going to make a run at freezing. We've got the wind starting to pick up now. And it's that northwesterly wind signaling that we have reached or at least gotten really close. Close to reaching peak, the sun is still working on this on the atmosphere. It likely will have a little more warming in it. uh, But coming out of the morning, we'll be pretty much reaching our peak by about one o'clock or so. Basically, a little earlier than normal. Not not a significant change, but a little earlier than normal. We'll hit our high minus one, maybe zero, and then start to ease back down very slowly through the afternoon. The normal drop off through the later evening will be a little more rapid. We'll get down to minus eleven for tonight. The wind will peak during these mid-afternoon hours uh, from basically now through about 3 or 4 o'clock. The wind peaks, and then it starts to drop back off, 15 to 30 gusts over 40 at times uh, for the next few hours, and then back down to 10 to 20 for tonight. A little bit of cloudiness works in, but beyond that scattered cloud, this is not a uh, transition that involves any sort of precipitation, just a few patchy clouds. Minus 11 for tonight. Minus 4 is the high tomorrow as that Frigid air mass works in minus 12 tomorrow night with a clear sky and a light wind, and then on Sunday we start the uptrend once again minus two with a mostly sunny sky. The wind goes back into the south to southwest. The peak on uh, on this next warm up occurs Monday. We'll be right around zero for the high, and then Tuesday a bit of light snow develops, and that begins the transition back into a more normal pattern. I'm not sure we get fully to normal through the week, but we at least head in a more normal direction. Temperatures more minus 5 to minus 10 versus uh, within a few degrees of zero. So it's going to be a little more at least November-like, I guess, later week. And there will be a couple of rounds of light snow, likely some light accumulation over the course of the week.
1: That's Phil Spivak from Precision Weather. Temperatures around the region this hour, the Paw is at minus 7 degrees, Swan River, Dauphin and Shoal Lake-Russell minus 4, Brandon minus 2, Roblin minus 5. Regina is at plus 1 degree, Saskatoon, Winyard-Wadena-Kelvington minus 4, Hudson Bay minus 5, Broadview-Mooseman minus 1, Indian Head 0. The Yorkton-Melville region has a sunny sky, a northwest wind at 28, gusting to 37 kilometers an hour. 74% is the relative humidity. The temperature is minus 2 degrees. With the wind chill, it feels more like minus 9 degrees. Yesterday, Yorkton reached a high of plus 4 degrees and dropped to a low of minus 12 degrees. There was no precipitation recorded in the 24-hour period ending at midnight last night. The normal high for this date is minus 13 degrees. The normal low is minus 24 degrees. The sun rose in Yorkton at 8.54 this morning and it will set at 4.50 this afternoon. Extreme temperatures for Manitoba and Saskatchewan yesterday. The Manitoba spot was McCreary at plus 9 degrees. The cold spot was Barron's River at minus 16 degrees. The Saskatchewan hot spot yesterday was Maple Creek at plus 13 degrees. The cold spot was Key Lake at minus minus. 18 degrees. And that's a look at your agriculture weather. The weather over the past few weeks has been nothing short of abnormal, temperatures above the seasonal norm, and a lack of precipitation. For Saskatchewan Agriculture Minister David Merritt, it's a double-edged sword.
2: The nice weather is always nice, and I know even talking to some of my uh my rancher friends are saying, well, <clears throat> one thing about this this weather is sure cut down on their their feed bill. So you know that's kind of a, a good point uh, that we'd like to recognize. But obviously, you know, moisture is going to be a concern for everybody. And uh, I I think I, I can live by an adage that every farmer has heard and every rancher has heard is that we've never lost uh, a crop or lost a pasture in December. So hopefully, we'll see some snowfall after sometime in the new year. Everybody will get through the Christmas holiday season with nice highways to be able to travel on to see family. And then we'll start seeing significant moisture come springtime, and uh, we're, and that's usually when we, we've got it. I know last year, even in the Southwest, uh, there was some significant snowstorms that came through in March. In fact, it it really impacted uh, a lot of the livestock guys on because the, they were calving at the time and had some challenges around that. But, uh, you know, so hopefully we'll see some significant. We have seen some moisture fall in parts of the province, and it's and the snow has melted, and uh, so uh, we are seeing that. Hopefully, uh, we will see some good uh, snowfall come, you know, after the new year, and uh, some good runoff to fill all the dugouts and, and bring our water levels back up. And uh, obviously, and that just you know falls right into place on things where we're trying to do in promoting irrigation.
1: Drought conditions affected several areas of Saskatchewan especially the southwest and west-central regions. For some producers, it has been several years of very dry conditions. Meanwhile, Bill C-234, a private member's bill that would exempt the carbon tax from natural gas and propane used for grain drying, was a hot topic in the agriculture world in 2023. The original version had the exemption apply for fuel used for heating and cooling barns and greenhouses, as well as a sunset clause of eight years, whereas the ruling government to let the bill lapse if newer technology became commonplace on the market or extended a few more years. However, the Senate amended the bill to exclude barns from the exemption and reduce the clause to three years. Bill C-234 is now returned to the House of Commons for further debate. Saskatchewan Agriculture Minister David Merritt has kept tabs on its progress, and like many proponents of the bill, Merritt is disappointed with how it's changed.
2: I mean obviously we'd like to have seen the carbon tax removed from from the ag sector on that side of it completely because you know if you look at at the bills and and we've seen some of the bills from some of these uh, from some of these farming operations for natural gas, whether it's grain drying or uh, or heating a you know hog barn or poultry barn or, or, or things like that they're astronomical, well, that, that cost is all passed right back on to you and I as consumers of food. So, when you look at that side of it, it's, in, it's increasing and it's very unfortunate but probably the biggest driver of the price of food right now is the, is the carbon tax. Uh, when you look at the price of uh, fuel for everything that's trucked uh, and you put the carbon tax in there, it, it really escalates uh, the prices. So, we've said it before and I'll continue to say it and I've said it in the Assembly, that you keep putting carbon tax on carbon tax on on everything, on whether it's being trucked from the farmer to the terminal, from the terminal to a food processor, from the food processor to the restaurant, and the restaurant to your shelf, there's a carbon tax every, every layer.
1: Merritt was rather blunt in his response when asked about how optimistic he is of the bill possibly returning to the Senate in its original form. I'm not that confident. Many farm groups in Saskatchewan say it's back to the drawing board on how they can convince federal politicians to see the merits of Bill C-234 in its original form. And, of course, there's never a dull moment when working alongside the federal government, and it certainly wasn't boring for Saskatchewan Agriculture Minister David Merritt in 2023. Starting the year, Merritt's federal counterpart was Marie-Claude Bibeau. But in the summer, that changed to Lawrence McCauley in a cabinet shuffle. By the time the shuffle happened, Merritt had already requested the federal government pitch in to the agri-recovery program to help Saskatchewan producers affected by drought. The province announced their contribution of $70 million to agri-recovery in August, and Ottawa eventually kicked in $77 million in October. Merritt says it wasn't Macaulay's fault for the delay.
2: I can tell you that uh, Minister Macaulay, through this process with the livestock sector, has been very uh, uh, accessible to a, a, a big degree as far as the calls and wanting to talk. The challenge we had was just the delay that that came from the federal government, and I can't put that solely on on, uh, on Minister Macaulay's shoulders. Uh, you know, I felt that he was doing what he could do to to expedite the process, but it is what it is, Uh it was just uh somewhat challenging that you know we had a lot of producers that were wondering what was going on and we were just trying to get uh some answers as well and and uh but i can tell you that minister mccauley was uh pretty accessible or his uh, chief of staff to my chief of staff and some of the discussions on just you know where they were at
1: saskatchewan and ottawa were at odds in 2023 over the carbon tax and will likely continue into the new year when asked if the bickering on both sides ever made things awkward between him and Minister McCauley, Merritt said the main thing is to work through the politics and look after the interests of farmers.
2: At the end of the day, I hope uh, Minister McCauley feels the same way I do is that we're really looking out for the best interests of the producers and that's kind of what uh, you know. I always, when we, when we talk about issues and challenges, that's what I, uh, I convey to him that you know that uh because we do when you look at uh, on the agriculture side when you look at our uh our federal programming uh you know we're uh it's federal provincial uh partnerships that we do uh, a lot of the funding programs that we have you look at crop insurance is a good example of a, you know collaboration and working together uh, and we have to continue that if we're you know the program has seen uh, obviously uh you know some challenges over the last few years but we've also seen some enhanced coverages as well. So when we see these kind of coverages, uh, we obviously have to be able to uh, talk to our Fender counterpart. And uh, I can say that uh, Minister Macaulay has been, you know, accessible that way and the former minister as well to some degree. And, and we just have to, you know, try and work through, uh, you know, the, the politics of it and really come to a conclusion what's best uh, in the interest of agriculture for, for not only the producers here in
1: Saskatchewan. That's Saskatchewan Agriculture Minister David Merritt. It's time now for the Ag Review portion of our program and that's a presentation of New Era Ag Technologies in Swan River. GX94 Ag Review. The era of Russian ownership of Bueller Industries, the makers of high horsepower versatile tractors and farm king equipment, is over. Turkish manufacturer Basic Tractor says it formally closed its purchase of 96.7% of the shares in Bueller Industries from Ross Mash today, eight days after the deal was first announced. Basic's parent company, Asco Holding, Paid a cash price of sixty point five million dollars Canadian, including twenty-eight point two million for Rostzell Mash's shares and four point one million in transaction costs, with the remainder attributed to outstanding debt and intellectual property transfers. BASIC is also paying out and making arrangements for undisclosed amounts owed to Canadian Imperial Bank of Commerce under Bueller's credit facility with the bank. The line of credit, which was secured by inventory and accounts receivable, was worth up to $60 million, according to Bueller's latest quarterly financial report published September 30th. Prices for Canadian feed barley and United States corn imports reached parity as the feed grain market took a breather between Christmas and New Year's Day. Jim Busicom, president of Marketplace Commodities in Lethbridge, says barley is trading in a range between $310 to $315 Canadian per metric ton. Meanwhile, U.S. corn imports are trading at $310 to $320 Canadian. However, Busacom notes that corn is more often trading at the lower end of the range and it's easier for feedlots to buy corn than barley. He adds that supplies are very good for feed grains as most feedlots have already contracted grain for up to May. Busicom says corn and barley will continue to be priced near equally going into 2024, but he notes barley will need to be priced lower in order to increase demand by this spring. Canadian supermarkets will soon see their supply of British cheese crumble, as both countries seek fair trade terms following the United Kingdom's exit from the European Union. December 31st will mark the end of a temporary arrangement in which Ottawa offered London a special quota of cheese that could be imported under low tariffs. Canada made that offer in the hopes it would have signed a deal with Britain by now to replace an interim deal that has kept in place some of the terms that govern commerce between the two countries before Brexit but those negotiations haven't finished, with the UK pushing back on Ottawa's demands to allow Canada to export hormone-raised meat and London demanding more access to Canada's protected dairy market. Peter Holmes, a fellow with the UK Trade Policy Observatory, says Canada has the upper hand since the British government wants new trade deals to convince voters it has managed Brexit well. The federal government is asking for public input as it prepares to implement interim rules for municipal wastes imported into Canada or sold as fertilizer. The Canadian Food Inspection Agency says the consultation period began December 22nd and ends February 20th. Using municipal waste as fertilizer has potential environmental benefits, namely reducing greenhouse gas emissions and reducing the need for synthetic fertilizer. However, they can contain toxic chemicals that don't degrade over time, specifically PFAS substances. In May, the CFIA announced it would consult the industry and provinces with the intention of implementing an interim standard of less than 50 parts per billion of the PFAS in fertilizer-bound biosolids. In a consultation report, the CFIA said those consulted were largely in favor of the interim standard. Euro next wheat edged up today but was set for a sharp decline over the year after stiff export competition from the Black Sea region eased worries about war disruption to the grain trade. The front month position was consolidating after falling to 220 and a half euros twice in the past week, a level not previously seen for the contract since December of 2021. Over 2023, front month prices are down nearly 28% breaking a run of gains in the past three years. Supply fears due to Russia's invasion of Ukraine, which propelled prices to record highs in 2022, have subsided this year as Russia maintained large exports, while Ukraine established a new shipping channel to replace a UN-backed arrangement that Moscow withdrew from in July. And Sasgag today is always available on podcast. Listen to past shows whenever you want. Find them easily by going to gx94radio.com. Also, you can hear the podcast on your Amazon Echo. Just enable the GX94 skill and choose SASGAG Today. And yes, it is free. And that's today's ag review. Please stay tuned. SASGAG Today will return right after this. Welcome back to SASGAG Today. I'm Doug Falconer. It's sunny and minus 2 degrees in the Yorkton-Melville region. I'll have your complete weather details coming up at 1 o'clock. Annual meetings will be held on Tuesday, January 9th for Sask Wheat, Sask Canola, Sask Flax, Sask Barley and Saskatchewan Pulse Growers. The meetings are at the Western Development Museum in Saskatoon. Producers and interested observers can attend in person or virtually. As Kevin Hirsch, chief agricultural editor for saskagtoday.com reports, the Sask Pulse meeting is likely to be the best attended and the liveliest. While all the crop commissions do commendable
3: work, SaskPulse was the first checkoff established in the province, and the organization has played a huge role in Saskatchewan becoming a world leader in pulse crops, lentils and field peas, and to a lesser extent, chickpeas. SaskPulse conducts a range of activities from varietal development, to research, to advocacy, to market development. It has a full-time staff of 14 people. Unlike the other crop commissions, the Sask Pulse levy is not refundable. The levy was decreased from 1% to 0.67% of pulse sales back in 2016. However, when pulse crop prices are strong, the levy is higher than what producers pay on other crops. The annual report shows $16 million in levy collected for the last fiscal year. This was a budget surplus of $5.6 million, a higher surplus than expected due to research and development initiatives coming in under budget. At fiscal year-end, SaskPulse had net assets of $37.5 million at past annual meetings some producers have expressed concern over growing surpluses the annual report notes new research initiatives will be coming on stream The big news in varietal development is that SAS Pulse has a new breeding partner, grain. This will mean royalties on new varieties, a departure from the royalty-free varietal development that occurred in the long-standing agreement with the University's Crop Development Center. However, the annual report notes a new breeding relationship is being established with the Crop Development Center. The National Farmers Union has put forth an advance resolution for the AGM that Pulse varieties fully or partially funded by levy payers will not have variety use agreements attached. With variety use agreements, producers can save their own seed but have to pay to use it every year. To register for any of the Crop Commission meetings on January 9th, just log on to SASCrops.com. For Saskag today,
1: I'm Kevin Hirsch. Livestock market conditions. US live cattle futures for February are trading at 168.90 this hour. That's down 2. April live cattle trading at 172.55 up 27. March feeder cattle trading at 223.50 up 37. April Feeder Cattle trading at 229.32, up 40. February Lean Hogs trading at 68.00 even, that's down 45. April Lean Hogs trading at 74.90, down 10. And that's the livestock market conditions. Please stay tuned, Saskag today will return right after this. Welcome back to SaskGag today. The NSERC Industrial Research Chair in Swine Welfare observes the public scrutiny of animal care and ethics of production can only be expected to increase. Research conducted through the NSERC Industrial Research Chair in Swine Welfare Research Program will be highlighted as part of a forum scheduled for Day 1 of the 2024 Banff Pork Seminar January 9th. Dr. Yoland Seddon says animal welfare is a huge component of sustainability for the pork industry in terms of public trust and making sure that we can produce meat efficiently and humanely.
4: Yes, yeah, so we are coming together to hold this forum on the first opening day of the Bank Pork Seminar, so when people are arriving, so that would be Tuesday, the 9th of January, starting in the Alberta room of the Banff Fairmont Spring Hotel, uh, starting at 1 p.m. and running till 4 p.m. And the purpose of it is to provide the industry with an opportunity to see what the chair program in swine welfare has built for the industry and what we are starting to discover from the research we have been doing So we can keep that conversation moving about what are the next steps for the industry in terms of adoption and moving forward in this area of swine welfare research.
1: She then explains what NSERC is.
4: The Natural Sciences Engineering Research Council, or in abbreviation NSERC, is a federal program to support sciences uh, that are focusing on biological sciences. And they're... Focus as part of the ILC is that they have a research chair program which would enable industry dollars to be matched to federal dollars one to one in order to support uh, strategic research program initiatives uh, to enhance critical mass in an area of, of research uh, in a specific area of excellence. So, hence the NSERC Industrial Research Chair Program has been put in place to, to have a, a chair in swine welfare, so we have been able to enhance uh, critical mass in, in the area of swine welfare research.
1: Dr. Seddon outlines the primary focus of the research they're conducting.
4: Starting at why is it important? So animal care is, is obviously what the industry does, not and animal welfare is a huge component of, uh, sustainability for the industry in terms of public trust for the product uh, and also uh, making sure that we can produce uh, meat efficiently and humanely. And so uh, the questions that the industry is being asked with regards to animal care and ethics of production environments are only increasing. So it became very clear that there would be a benefit of having a targeted Uh, structured strategic move by the industry to invest in an increase in animal welfare research to support the industry, to respond proactively to the evolving uh, questions and needs uh, that need to be addressed uh, regarding animal care and swine welfare. Um, So the NCILC Industrial Research Chair was one of those strategic moves uh, and the goal was to have a program funded that would be specific into some critical areas of swine welfare research. It would enhance the research capacity of the Canadian swine industry and put in place an increased critical mass of highly trained personnel to be responding to the industry's needs. And the research program itself that was developed was designed to be forward-facing, so supporting the industry to be looking proactively about how do we drive this conversation forward uh, for swine welfare as opposed to reactively where we are doing research to answer questions when we know there is a code of practice change coming up or a legislation change. So when we talk about proactive approach, the NSERC and Just Your Research Chair Program is specifically looking at if you're rearing pigs in the fully slatted system, how do we optimize uh, the, the pathway to support the pig to have high welfare in a fully slatted system? And then secondly, how do we measure and monitor animal welfare better so that we can address questions over chronic states of animal welfare? And how do we have a monitoring system so that we can communicate um, how animal welfare is in the pork industry to support transparency and also feedback to producers to support continual improvement
1: she says pork producers will be able to apply the knowledge gained through this research
4: in terms of the research outputs itself um, the program focus we actually have knowledge that will be applicable to farmers on farm to actually invest in in how they make specific management changes in order to see uh, returns in terms of animal welfare and productivity. But we also have areas of the research program that are delivering results that would impact the industry at the national level in terms of um, code of practice changes and also methods to nationally uh, support an animal care program. And so part of that is related to how do we better measure animal welfare collect the data, communicate it back to producers, and also communicate it publicly uh, with regards to metrics for animal welfare in the industry. So the research program itself is, is one of the outputs, but what it the, the program funding in place also supports is having an increased number of personnel that are highly trained in swine welfare research and the statistics that go along with it, we actually are able to mobilize our resources to support the industry in other areas. So for example, we have had members of our team responding to other industry needs in terms of research questions. And we've also had members of the team uh, supporting uh, code of practice initiatives, the code renewal, uh, the code review, uh, supporting with information to provide industry on fact sheets for adoption of um, animal welfare practices, animal, supportive animal welfare practices on farms. So there's an awful lot of uh, additional firepower that comes with, with having an increased critical mass to support many aspects that the industry is responding to with regards to swine welfare. We also are an, a group that the industry can turn to if they have questions, or, and we have also responded to the media on numerous occasions in order to help uh, break down for the public some of the animal welfare challenges that are presented and help people to understand what goes into that and to really support uh, transparency and clear communication and, and reduce misinformation on the
1: subject. And I will have more with Dr. Yolande Seddon coming up right after this. Commodities update. Canola Futures are trading down across the board this hour. March Canola trading at six fifty four ninety down five dollars twenty cents. May Canola trading at six hundred sixty three ten down four dollars thirty cents. March Minneapolis wheat trading at seven hundred twenty two and a quarter, that's down three and a quarter cents. March Kansas City wheat trading at six hundred forty four and three quarters. Up one cent. March Chicago wheat trading at 630 and three quarters, down three quarters of a cent. March corn trading at 472 per bushel, down two and a quarter cents. March soybeans trading at 1299 and a quarter, that's down 12 and three quarters of a cent. March oats trading at three eighty two and a half. and a half down four and three quarters of a cent. And that's the commodities update. Welcome back to SASGAG Today, I'm Doug Falconer. As you heard just a few minutes ago, the NSERC Industrial Research Chair in Swine Welfare observes the public scrutiny of animal care and ethics of production can only be expected to increase. Research conducted through the NSERC Industrial Research Chair in Swine Welfare Research Programme will be highlighted as part of a forum scheduled for day one of the 2024 Banff Pork Seminar on January 9th. We're speaking with Dr. Yolande Seddon, and she talks about the key topics that will be discussed in Banff.
4: We are bringing uh, a number of people from our team who have been working on this. So obviously myself will be there as the chair to uh, introduce uh, what the chair program has delivered for the industry and to sort of frame it in the context of the evolving uh, questions and pressures that the industry is facing with regards to uh, swine welfare. We then have members of the research team presenting specific project updates, based on what they have been working on. And the team that has been working on the on-farm application, we have looking at the role of specific management changes early in the life of the pig to influence long-term animal welfare outcomes, because there can be a role of influencing the reactivity of the animal and the stress responsiveness, which feeds into the overall disease resilience of the animal and does have links to welfare challenges that we need to get to grips with, such as tail biting. And this is Siba Khalif, who is our PhD student working on this. We also have our very blue sky area of research, which was very novel. And it's looking at the role of a positive behavior, play behavior, to enhance resilience and robustness in the pig. And the reason we specifically looked at this is that... um, The industry does come under uh, fire for questions as to whether animals in intensive systems have quality of life, and we wanted to bring science to ask this question with regards to discovering metrics for if animals are displaying that they have a good quality welfare because maintaining a balance of good welfare is just as important uh, as what we have typically focused on is reducing negative animal welfare states, such as reducing painful procedures or reducing aggression. So our play behavior work is being led by Carolina, our PhD student, and she will be presenting her work on that, which has looked at not only how do we, uh, can we confirm that it is positive? Can we use it in animal care assessment as a measure of positive animal welfare on farm? And can we actually use play um, to determine that the pigs are in a better state of welfare and that it has actually conferred uh, a greater disease resilience to the animals. Uh, we then have our PhD student, Darian Pollock, who is going to be looking at biomarkers of welfare. So in particular, we have been looking at measures of chronic stress through the hair of pigs. And we've been using this to see, do we have a tool from which we can ask questions about, again, the care of the animals in the system to confirm that the animal's in a good state of welfare or identify if there is anything that needs to be improved. This sort of uh, tool, for an example, would would have been particularly useful when we're asking questions about the gestation stall debate uh, because a lot of those questions about the, the life of the animal, is the animal chronically stressed in a gestation stall? And so having a physiological marker that is able to provide a measure of chronic stress for chronic welfare conditions would be very powerful so we are presenting the results of that and we have also been doing some additional work with the pig gen canada group uh, which shows how the chair program has been able to mobilize resources to support complementary areas of importance to the industry where we are looking at the ability of measuring hormones in the hair of pigs to provide a measure of chronic stress and whether this can be used as a genetic selection tool for phenotypic qualities in the pig. Finally, we have our postdoctoral fellow, Martina Lagona, who will be talking about the ability to use animal welfare indicators observed on carcasses as a continuous animal welfare monitoring scheme to support on-farm animal care initiatives. So what is the relationship between uh, essentially, lesions that we can see on the carcass. An example is tail biting, as one. And what does it tell us about conditions on farm? And what is the power and how specific and sensitive measuring these lesions on carcasses could be to inform about animal welfare on farm and and in the pre-slaughter handling system. And then we also have our student, Carmen Cole, who is going to be providing a summary of whatever work we have going outside of the chair program to also reflect how the CHAIR program has supported us to be able to mobilize resources for the benefit of the industry. So in particular, she's she's looking at some swine euthanasia uh, work. We also have research looking about animal welfare initiatives and sustainability in the industry. So a lot to discuss. Um, people should come ready to, to take a sip from the fire hose, as they say.
1: And she then goes into why swine welfare research has become so important.
4: Swine welfare research has become a hot topic because there are questions being asked of, of the agriculture and the pork value chain about how is meat being produced. Uh, you know, not only does this go back to food safety, antibiotic use, but questions about the, the ethics of rearing practices. And it's it's furthered by the fact that we're learning more about uh, pigs, pigs being used as a model for human research, and and when we understand, you know, the, the capabilities of the animal as a sentient being to feel emotional states, to be suffering, that in itself, uh, you know, has to make us question: Well, the practices that that we have been running so far, is this negatively impacting the animal? Do we need to be altering how we're managing this animal now that we have a greater appreciation for how the animal experiences this world? And people who consume pork, um, you know, there there is a section of society that is informed and willing to pay more money for for animals that have been raised in specific conditions or have a confirmation of high animal welfare. There is a section of society that just wants cheap pork. But ultimately, I I think the industry is is under pressure to, you know, it is a requirement. It is expected that animals uh, being produced for meat uh, are having a good quality of life and have appropriate animal care. For that species and are not suffering, and therefore the industry is already, uh, you know, operating in a way to take steps to assure that. But you need to not only deliver that, but then to follow through and provide information to say this is how we're rearing our animals. This is how we can confirm that our production practices are meeting um, ethical uh, and uh, standards uh, that sh- that are expected of today's pork value chain. And this is an evolving conversation, Uh, and obviously we know that pork is exported and and there's uh, various uh, requests from from importing countries, but this isn't going away. I think as as we sort of continue on in this live, like this is only going to get stronger as questions are asked about food production. And so it's important to be paying attention to this and to be responding and to be evolving, not ignoring it, because it's present and whenever there are expose videos of practices that um you know the public uh, if they don't know enough about how farming is done there's a, there's a number of practices that are, can be quite uh unpleasant or not appreciated what what their role is by the public and i think it's uh important for the industry to be um transparent and also addressing practices appropriately so that it supports Uh, public image of of the industry as well.
1: Dr. Yolan Seddon is the NSERC Industrial Research Chair in Swine Welfare. It's now one o'clock, time to check the GX94 precision weather forecast. For the Quill Lakes, Hudson Bay, Swan River, Broadview, Mooseman, Indian Head and Yorkton, Melville, Roblin, Russell regions today, Mainly sunny, winds northwest at 15 to 30, gusting higher at times, and a high of zero. For tonight, partly cloudy, winds north northwest at 10 to 20, a low of minus 11. For tomorrow, mainly sunny, winds north northwest at 10 to 20, a high of minus four, an overnight low of minus 12. For New Year's Eve Sunday, mainly sunny, Winds south-southwest at 10 to 20, a high of minus 2. For New Year's Day, Monday mainly sunny, a high of 0. And Tuesday, a 30% chance of light snow, a high of minus 5. In the Paw, it's minus 7 degrees. Swan River, Dauphin and Show Lake, Russell all reporting in at minus 4. Brandon, minus 2. Roblin, minus 5. Regina is at plus 1, Saskatoon, Winyard, Wadena, Kelvington, minus 4, Hudson Bay, minus 5, Broadview, Mooseman, minus 1, Indian Head, 0. The Yorkton-Melville region has a sunny sky, a northwest wind at 28, gusting to 37 kilometers an hour, 74% is the relative humidity, The temperature is minus 2 degrees, with the wind chill it feels more like minus 9 degrees. That's your agriculture weather, and that'll do it for Saskag Today for today. Be sure to tune in again on Tuesday at 12.15 for another edition of the program. It's time now for the news and sports headlines.